North Carolina Central deserves to be the top dog in the MEAC. What's going on with Bowie State? And then also, let's recap some of the best players in HBCU football this week. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one. Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every single day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. No, 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 no. It means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusive. You are on YouTube. Then go ahead and check out that lower third. You can see it right there. Do not forget the S at the end at South Exclusives. But let's talk about something I've been feeling for a little bit and some other people started to feel now. North Carolina Central has done enough to be considered the current top dog in the MEAC. I think that's, that's, that's fair. When I see the way that the Eagles came into the season and you look at, hey, you look at Trey Oliver, the coach at MEAC Media Day. He had a chip on his shoulder and you see it now. I don't know if he's looking for redemption due to being one game away from the MEAC championship last year. I don't know if he's looking to put people on notice, but he came out this season with the fury of a son's tirade. And if his mission was to put people on notice for those who have not yet been put on notice, allow me to be coach Oliver's assistant and put you on notice because they've had a phenomenal start to the year. And when you look at their first three weeks of the season, when you look at both of these teams, them and South Carolina state's first three weeks of the season, first and foremost, central has played one more game. Um, and, and some of these things aren't even the fault. Actually, I don't think any of this is the fault of South Carolina State. It doesn't say anything bad about South Carolina State to me, right? Now, I've been looking at these rankings, and I felt like they'd done enough to be ranked the number two HBCU, honestly. And, I, and that would have mean jumping South Carolina State, and it happened. I felt this way kind of last week because I felt like they had two really strong victories, one over the rival, North Carolina A&C, and then another over Winston-Salem, but the way they beat Winston-Salem was the impactful part. So I was like, ah, maybe they should be number two over South Carolina State, but I understand you still getting that celebration bowl nod to a certain extent because if it was a full nod, they would probably still be above Jackson State. But there's a, there's a slight nod to being the reigning champion, right? But then after this win over New Hampshire, I said, oh, no. This, they have to replace them now. And it's important to remember that this isn't permanent. Just because they are the top dog right now does not mean that these things are forever. There could be a setback. And we have a habit here to call back to old conversations. And if I do and say South Carolina State is once again the top dog, it's not a contradiction because these rankings are quite fluid, right? Because we've been through, they haven't, they haven't even played the same amount of games. 
Um, you look at South Carolina State, who has played an FBS opponent, and then Bethune-Cookman. Those are their only two games. Meanwhile, North Carolina Central, Central has played two FCS opponents, and they also played a, a, a D2 opponent as well. So they haven't even competed against the same teams, if we're just going to be honest. One could argue that South Carolina State has not had the opportunity to really showcase their talent now. They'll have a, their first common opponent in North Carolina A&T. So we'll really see it in kind of a, a, a same opponent type of deal comparison. But one could say that South Carolina State hasn't really had a chance to really show how good they are. And that could be true. But unfortunately, they're going to fall victim to scheduling. And that's just what it is here. So for the majority of this year, North Carolina Central was considered the number three team by the NCAA's HBCU rankings. And I think they might have a different system or a different person. It might be like just one or two people who are voting on that. Because when you look at the top 25, well, North Carolina Central was above South Carolina State last week. They had 20 votes to be in the top 25 to South Carolina State's four. Now they're both in alignment, even if it's just a year late. I mean, a week late, right? Now that the rankings have North Carolina Central at two. And when I say the rankings, I'm talking about the specific HBCU rankings that the NCAA does. We talked about them on last week's episode, I think maybe on the Wednesday episode, I believe. And we'll talk about them um, obviously in this topic, but then also we'll talk about them tomorrow as well. But now they're on the same page. And to me, when I look at it, you beat the number 25 team in the nation in New Hampshire. You have to get the respect for that. Just what they've done on the field thus far puts them over South Carolina State. But not only was this a victory that put them over South Carolina State in the HBCU rankings, in the FCS top 25, this actually put them at top 20, actually put them at 25, not just in the top 25, but specifically at 25. And they're the only other HBCU in there other than Jackson State. So we're definitely going to give kudos to them. Um, if the sound wouldn't mess up, I'd probably give them a nice little round of applause right now. And in these games, Davius Richard has been really, really, really good. And I feel like he's shown a nice control of the offense. I feel like he's shown his dual threat ability is able to pop out at any moment. And for me, this is a personal thing. I like my players. I think I'm not gonna say it's a personal thing. A lot. I think a lot of people feel this way. But what really impresses me is not only your talent, not only how good you play, but when you're showcasing your talent and when you show how good that you can play. And Davius Richard, Richard is showing that he can play well in all the big time moments. See, when we talk about big time situations, we a lot of times think about fourth quarter. Um, we might think about playoffs. Those are point moments that you can point to easily and say. These are clutch moments, right? But there's there's big-time moments that aren't clutch moments, so to speak. I'm looking at big-time games. And North Carolina A&T, big-time game. New Hampshire, big-time game. Let's look at exactly what he was able to do in these games. So when you're looking at North Carolina, and once again, both of these victories. So when I say, like, they have better wins, North Carolina A&T and also um, New Hampshire are the games that I reference when saying that Central has better wins than South Carolina State because I think both of those teams are better than Bethune-Cookman. And let's look at how he plays in these this North Carolina A&T game. This is a rivalry game, one you're really trying to get it in, right? It speaks for itself. Well, in this game, he ended up having 18, or excuse me, he ended up having 21 for 33, 300, 213 yards, two touchdowns on the air, 
three touchdowns or two touch. I'm sorry, excuse me, two touchdowns through the air, two touchdowns on the ground in a rivalry game and showcased his ability to go two, two. Let's be honest with you. That's I think that might be I can't remember the exact stat that it was, but let's just be honest. That's an impressive stat line. Four touchdowns on the day. And to do it in a rivalry game makes it even more impressive. Now let's go into the New Hampshire game. When you look at the New Hampshire game, which is against the number 25 team in the nation, big time game, right? You go 18 for 27. In both of these games, he had a really good completion percentage. And then you add in 194 yards, two touchdowns through the air. And then he gave him 140. 140 on the ground and another touchdown. So in this, you had combined 336 yards and then three touchdowns on the day. Yes, I think it's safe to say that New Hampshire has seen better days. However, when you look at these two games and out of three, let's remember that's out of three and two of these were big games. There you have it. The guy is showing up in big time moments. And and listen, in big moments, word to Kendrick, he's been performing like a big stepper. So do what thou wilt. I'll just say this, Davius Richard and the North Carolina or North Carolina Central Eagles have came out and they have had the same fire that their head coach had at MEAC Media Day. And it's kind of hard for me to say that they are not the best team in the MEAC at the moment. Going forward, we're going to keep rolling with today's episode and we're going to downshift, right? We're going to go to the D2 level because something is going on with Bowie State and they need to make sure that they try to fix it quickly. It needs to be an urgent thing. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about the Upside app because the Upside app is exactly what you need for your car. It, I, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who actually enjoys going to the pump. I have not met a soul who would tell me that they enjoy that. However, everybody has to do it. It's just it's just a part of life. If you're going to drive, you're going to have to get gas. Point blank, period. That is what it is. But the Upside app makes things so much better. I remember the first time I ever used the Upside app. The first time I ever used the Upside app, I was going to get myself some gas. Gas was about $60. I'm sitting there like, man, I... I I don't know how to get gas, and I knew it was going to be about $60, but now I used to get Upside app, and I was able to get $5 cash back. Now they're going to up the ante for you. You're going to get $5 or more on your first purchase of $10 or more. That is $5 or more on your first purchase of $10 or more through the Good Upside or through the Upside app. All you have to do is check in on the app, pay with your card, make sure you put your card down and where you're going, and the money will come back to you. Download the free Upside app. Use the promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 plus. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKED. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. And today's word of the day is haywire. And this means being out of order or having gone wrong. I feel like things might be going a little haywire in Bowie State. If that's an overstatement, then I will say that things are going a tad bit sideways. They just lost a game to Shaw, and this should give them a strong sense of urgency to fix some things. 
Um, I apologize to my Shaw people. I am not about to really speak at lengths about Shaw. This is mostly about Bowie State and the Bulldogs. And to me, this is the probably the most adversity that they've seen in three, four, five years. Like, they haven't seen this type of adversity in a long, long time. They have absolutely dominated the MEAC for three years. This is a team that, under Damon Wilson, just did not have to go through things like this. And I think we should have expected some bumps. And and we 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 kind of saw it in week one, but they were able to mask it with a late-game comeback. These things are going to happen. It's about how does Kyle Jackson get them to answer to it. When I say that they haven't seen this kind of adversity in a long time, they have not lost a conference game since 2018. They did that this week against Shaw. They have not lost back-to-back games since 2015. They did that these past two weeks with a loss to Saginaw and now this loss to Shaw, right? And I, I almost feel like you have to course correct quickly. Like you have to get it together quickly because I don't I don't think you can afford another loss, especially within the conference. And the Saginaw loss is the Saginaw loss. I I'm we can push that to the side. Me personally, I'm not really worried about it. It's an out of conference game. It happens. They've lost out of conference games. I think almost like almost every year except for last year or two years ago. So this is not something that's that's really new and it's not really a problem. However, you lost to Shaw very, very early. And with that being said, you still have to go against Virginia Union. Virginia Union has knocked off a high-level team. They knocked off Valdosta State. They ain't nothing to play with. Now, let's just say that you lose to Union. Your chances at a, at a CIAA championship are done, in my opinion. You cannot lose to Union. And this is what I mean when I say the sense of urgency is there. Now, there's no room for error. Because you have already lost a conference game. If you lose that game to Union, you've lost to Shaw and you lost to Union, which are probably your two biggest competitors in this. They're not both going to lose three. They're not both going to lose three games. So you're probably not going to come out your side of the division. And the reason they will both have to lose three is because I believe this is how the tiebreaker will work. If all three teams ended with two losses in the conference, if they both had beaten um Bowie State then Bowie State would automatically lose the tiebreaker I believe that's how it goes and they probably would have beaten each other one of them would have beat the other so that means one of them would have a 2-0 lead on the other two teams in the tiebreaker you just can't lose another game and now that means you have to get it together so I took a step back I took a step back excuse me and I looked at what was going wrong for Bowie State in this game and I looked at the stats I can't blame the defense, really. I know they gave up that last that last touchdown, but at the end of the day, you're expecting yourself to, to only allow 17 points. You're hoping to win. You're expecting to win. So I look at the offense, and what's going on? You got a good completion percentage. It's not great, but it's pretty solid. I think it's above 60%. So I'm like, okay, I can take that. You got a good amount of yards through the air. You got a good amount of yards on the ground. What's going on here? I see the two interceptions, and I think maybe I found what's going on. But I got to go look at the drive chart. I got to go look at how they start and stop these 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 series, right? And I'm looking at the offense, and the offense is kind of firing until the end of the game. When you look at five of their first six series, they got not only into Shaw territory, they got into the red zone on five of their first six series. However, they only scored on two of them. They only scored 14 points, and that's where the disappointing part comes in. 
because how what happened on those other drives, right? On those other drives, you had turnover on downs, you had an interception, and you also had a, a missed field goal attempt. So now you're not finishing. They had real Professor Calamitous type of drives. If you're a Jimmy Neutron guy, maybe I'm showing my youth. But they had real Professor Calamitous type drives where you got some good things going. There's some promise there. People really, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy's nice. This guy's smart. But you could not finish. That was Calamitous's problem, and that was Bowie State's problem on Saturday. That's how they really ended up losing this game because they had opportunities and they were not able to capitalize. The only time they really got stuffed was another turnover on downs, but they were in their own territory. They ended up having uh, five plays. They had negative two yards. It, it wasn't a good drive, right? And then the last three, they weren't able to really do it. They weren't really able to do much. However, when you look at those two interceptions, only one happened during the game. The last one was on the last play of the game. It was the end of the game. So that's not really much to complain about. Really, it's not the turnovers. It's just the fact that they could not finish and there, there should be some questions about the offense because you score 27 in your first game of the season a comeback victory and you hope those type of things really spark an offense however it does not appear that they are sparking any offense because after scoring 27 points in week one they have now scored 26 points total in week two and week three combined so with that being the case something's got to get changed with the offense whether that's finishing more i don't care what it is Something has to be changed within that offensive, um, either it's the scheme or the execution. Something needs to be different because, like I said, you've already lost to Shaw, who is one of your biggest competitors, and you still have Union on the schedule. I don't know if you can afford to lose another conference game, and the sense of urgency is on now. Yes, things can get course corrected, but if you want to be in that conference championship for, I think, the fifth or sixth year in a row— you need to make sure that you course correct very quickly. Now, as we're wrapping up the episode, we are going to talk about some of the standouts in HBCU football this weekend. Yes, I have the MEAC and SWAC players of the week. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, this is the best players of the weekend. I wanted to make sure that we came in and we highlighted some of these players because I know we don't get to get to every single team, but if we can incorporate the players of the week somewhere in our show, then I think that we, we should at least highlight some of these players who stood out, even if it's just a quick mention because it's a lot of teams. I mean, it's a lot of players when you look at it. The, uh, the SWAC has four. The MEAC has like six players, so that's 10 different players, but I did want to make sure that we gave them the appropriate amount of shine, and you have one team that's really kind of carrying each each uh, conference's highlights, right? So with the SWAC, it's a heavy Jackson State week. Three out of the four members are Jackson State players. It starts off with Shador Sanders, who set his career high in touchdowns. He had four touchdowns through the air, two on the ground. He has never hit six before. If I'm not mistaken. So this is the guy who definitely started off well. And then you had his teammate, Aubrey Miller, who is a heat-seeking missile and somebody who can do it in every single aspect of the game. He's a player who is extremely fun to watch. And when I call him a heat-seeking missile, I don't do it because it's a generic way to characterize productive defensive players. I say it because 
This guy is always flying around to the ball, and he's always around at all times. Even when even when it's a, he's getting after the quarterback, the quarterback might let it go. He's going to let you know I was still here. So he's a player that's extremely fun to watch. He had eight tackles on the day, a forced fumble, a pass breakup, and a hurry. So he was active in basically every single facet of the game. He's getting tackles. He's impacting the pass game, both through rushing and also in coverage. And he also makes a game-changing play like a forced fumble where turnovers are – I don't care when, when they happen, even if the game's out of hand, I'm going to characterize turnovers as a game-changing play. Then finally, the last Jackson State player is Sivion Wilkerson, who has the newcomer of the week. He's new to Jackson State, and this is his third week within the system, and I think you're seeing what he's going to be now. Like – when Wilkerson came in from Delaware State, these are the type of things that I expected from him. I expected him to be the guy for Jackson State, and I, I believe that he is. And you've seen every single week his carries have grown. You've seen every single week his yards have grown. So now he crossed the 100-yard threshold for the first time, hitting a buck 40. He's crushed, He's crossed that 20-carry threshold for the first time, hitting 23. And he's also crossed the end zone pl uh, plane, for the first time as a Jackson State Tiger, and he's done that two times. So this was really his best game, and he deserved the Newcomer of the Week because I think you're starting to see him really step into form for what Jackson State's going to want to be, and that's going to be a running back who can really carry that side of the ball, or that not that side of the ball, but that facet of that side of the ball. So I think they were looking for a, a running back who they can really count on, and I think they found that in Wilkerson. And then lastly, the last player who is not a uh, Jackson State player for the SWAC. You see that right there behind me? Boom. Y'all see it. I'm, ter I'm terrible at pointing. If you're, if you're on the audio side and you want to see some real failures at pointing, um, look at the timestamp and then try to find where you are on the YouTube side. Because I fail to point a lot. And I'll always tell you because I don't really care. We all in this together for as far as I'm concerned. As far as I'm, y'all better not be laughing at me. Uh, but on a serious note, Richard Garcia, third of his name, got the special teams player of the week. And that came from the fact that he had consistently big-time punts. And, and this was in a game that was a shutout. He had a couple of big-time punts. He averaged over 45 yards per punt, including a couple of 50-plus yarders. And he also knocked down one of his two field goals. So he had all the kicking for Texas Southern. He had three points on the board while also having some big-time punts. As for the MEAC, this is a North Carolina Central thing, and this isn't the first time that they've dominated these awards. They did this in week one when they were, I think they might have been the only MEAC team to win week one, if I'm not mistaken. But they came in and they absolutely dominated. They absolutely dominated these uh, awards. But Davius Richard won off in the player of the week. I'm not going to discuss him any further because we did that in the first segment and talking about North Carolina Central success. But then you have Adrian Olivia, who won Specialist of the Week for knocking in all six of his extra points and then also adding a field goal. So when you look at what they were able to do to New Hampshire, because I didn't mention this, but they put 45 on New Hampshire. 45 to 27. This was an emphatic victory. It was a large margin of victory over a top 25 team. So, and if I'm not mistaken, they are the first HBCU to get a top 25 victory this year. Yeah. Um, Tennessee State got close. Um, Alcorn got close. Neither one of them got it done. I think off the top of my head, yeah. 
I think North Carolina Central is the first one to do it, and now they are a top 25 team. But we're not done with them. Khalil Baker, co-defensive player of the week, and this was after getting his third pick of the season and also a pick six in this game. So you have Richard, Olivia, uh, Khalil Baker, and then also you have the offensive lineman of the week, excuse me, Corey Bullock. He had like, like 13 pancakes. Like he was a real dominant lineman in a game where you're going against one of the best teams in the nation. I understand you're not top five. However, top 25 is nothing to scoff at. So you have four players from the North Carolina Central Eagles to make this MEAC player of the week list. Um, but Khalil Baker did share his defensive player of the week with a representative, Lawrence Richardson, um, who had 10 tackles, a pass breakup, some hustles. He played for Morgan State. Um, some hurries, excuse me, not some hustles, but he had some hurries. So he was able to rush the pass. So he got some, some plays behind the line of scrimmage. He was able to disrupt things. This is the type of guy who was really an important part of Morgan State getting their first victory of the season, the first victory under Damon Wilson. And then you have C.J. Henry for Delaware State, who was very, very efficient. He didn't put the ball in the air many times. However, he had a touchdown like every third pass. He had three touchdowns on the day, and he didn't put the ball up in the air too much. So I think he had nine completions on 15 attempts, so every third completion was a touchdown for him. This is a very efficient rate in Delaware State. Right now, it looks like they have them a, a, a quarterback very young because I think he's a uh, he's still in his freshman year, so he has three years of eligibility afterwards. But I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every single day on tomorrow's episode, we got a packed show. We're going to talk about Alcorn. We're going to talk about Morgan State. We're going to talk about Hampton. I can't wait to break it down. We got three different schools from three different conferences. Woo, let's get it popping. But in order to do that, we have to get to the end of this episode. So for your second listen of the day, make sure you are checking out our conference shows. You got Locked On ACC, Locked On SEC, Locked On Big 12, Locked On Pac-12, Locked On Sunbelt. There's so many conference shows, so many great conference shows on this phenomenal network that you have the blessing to be able to check out so go ahead and take advantage of some of that yes please and in the meantime in between time if you're looking for me you can find me on twitter at south exclusives until the next time that we hear each other family take care stay blessed peace